This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football. At FanDuel, you select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? Terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Hello and welcome to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. I am your host Terence Ford and we are back in your ears as we discuss the upcoming fixture against West Ham United. This week I am joined by a Homestyle Radio trialist. Who sound, whose name sounds more like an instruction to one of our Scouts defenders, Ed Calloway, and the first of our preview pod guests, a TV producer and passionate Palace fan, John Petrie. On the menu tonight, we will be discussing our chances against the Hammers. We'll be talking to a West Ham fan, as we always do. We'll be bringing, giving you our predictions, and we'll be finishing on this week's classic match against West Ham that you, the listeners, voted for on Twitter. Remember to subscribe to both our podcasts, by visiting holradio.net forward slash subscribe. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The international break is finally over and we are here to help you get over the disappointment of England's performance by talking about 
Our listeners against West Ham, as mentioned at the top of the show, my panel this week consists of Ed Kellaway. Welcome to Homesdale Radio, Ed. Hello, thanks for having me. No worries. How are you feeling about the trial? Are you more Gareth Southgate taking a penalty or Donald Trump approaching a beautiful woman? Uh, I'm going to go Southgate taking a penalty, <laughs> given the news this week. <laughs> um, my second panel member is John Petrie. Welcome, John. Hello. Hello. Um, John has a famous brother and a famous wife, but his mum and dad are always showing off John's report cards from school to all of his friends. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) On a serious note, um, you produce quite a popular BBC Three comedy, don't you, called People Just Do Nothing? Yeah. Do you want to um, give our listeners a little synopsis? Yeah, it's about uh, um, a bunch of guys who run a pirate radio station and sort of their connected families. Uh, it's a mockumentary, and it just sort of, uh, yeah, follows them around. It's sort of like a weird modern dad's army. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Um, it is uh, hilarious, and um, we're going to play you a little clip of it now. They say that, innit, like, write about what you know. That's like a little like, yeah. writer's thing, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I, when I'm spitting, I'm like, lyrically the hell to because I look like Idris Elba. And that's because um, when I'm spitting my lyrics, it's taking you up and down like a sort of hell skelter, right? Yeah. And um, obviously, I always yeah, always yeah, like yeah, Idris does. Elba and Luther, innit? Yeah, it's yeah. Shoulders, yeah. I've got one that goes, it will never come to arms, because when I'm on a mic, I'm John, John Barnes. Barnes. He wasn't the best player, he was no. a midfielder. Midfielder, yeah. But Grind is a striker, I'll play the midfield. Yeah, exactly. Still essential part of the it's team. Very essential. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Okay, as this is both of your first times on the show, I thought that we would give the listeners a little chance to get you know, get to know you, get to know you better. I can speak sometimes, I promise. Firstly, John, you are a red, relatively young Crystal Palace fan for your years on the earth. Yes. How did you come to shed the errors of your early years? And well, yeah. Mecca, yeah, Mecca, yeah, I was a, I was a Man United fan until 2010, believe it or not. Um, I, know, I know, it's disgusting. <laughs> Um, and also, I'm from the south as well, so it was just I was just the worst of every kind. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I moved to London about ten years ago, and um, I just loved going to see football. But it never sort of occurred to me that I could swap teams, <laughs> which I know you're not supposed to do. But so then I sort of went round all pretty much all of the London clubs and went and watched the game at each one. And um, and then the last club that I went to was Palace, and they were playing QPR. Uh, it was October 2010. And um, Holly, my wife, always jokes about this, but after about 20 minutes, there was a stand-up, if you love Palace, um, sort of chant going around the ground. And I, ge- I just stood up. I was like, I genuinely love this club. I just Everything was sort of just so rickety and shit. It was hilarious. It was just, it was just perfect i just it's, it's just the perfect club and i've had a season ticket ever since and i just uh yeah i, I haven't looked back it's been the best best fun yeah. well we, we went to the um the league cup quarterfinal at old trafford together yeah and um out of everyone in the whole palace and i'm pretty sure it was you who celebrated the goals more than anyone else so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no that was like a big moment when i was like yeah i just feel nothing for united anymore and actually i love 
it's quite annoying because we don't have the greatest record against United. If it was Liverpool, it was satisfying. But um, <laughs> I'm sort of hoping this year maybe we'll get one over them. But, but okay. yeah. Right, uh, Ed, uh, we got John's first live Palace match there. What was the, when was the first time you saw Palace play live? Uh, for me, it was 1996 playoff final. My dad's from oh. sort of the Croydon area, so we didn't have me and my brother Tom. Didn't have much choice in who we were going to follow. He just kept taking us to Palace. But that was a, <laughs> a heartbreaking yeah. first experience with Claridge shinning one in the top corner uh, at the at the death. But kind of set us up for the years to come of disappointment following Palace. So it was <laughs> yeah, quite an appropriate quite an appropriate one, I think, as the first one. Yeah, that was my first season I started going. I think I started going around the January of that year, but my first game was in 94 in, I think it was October the 1st or something, when we beat uh, Arsenal at Highbury. So <laughs> a little bit more joy there. But yeah, a little bit more joy. I just remember. A teenager, I didn't particularly realise that, um, I think we'd lost the eight games before that, but um, <laughs> there you go. All right, John, so who, John, who's your favourite Palace player all time? So I, know it's a bit, I know it's a bit obvious, but... It's Spironi because he's he just is a man. He absolutely loves the club. And I think it's so rare in modern football to get a player that just gives everything uh, for the club. And just as as like as a newer fan, I was just always amazed by like the relationship he had with the fans. I stand in block B and just. I don't know, I really missed that bit when he came over at the beginning and everyone sang at him and he clapped, you know. And Maybe we'll get there with Steve, but but yeah, Spironi, yeah. just all the way for me. Yeah, I loved his interview this week where um, he said that he talks to all the new players and tries to make them understand what it is to play for Palace. I think it's really important to have someone around the club like that. Yeah. What about you, Ed, your favourite all-time Palace player? Uh, I did have the same Spironi, Dan, as well, but close to that was Jedi for me, the last few years especially since we came up he's just been a beast I remember when he first joined us I just dragged a mate along with me quite early on after he joined us but like I think it was pre-season at Farnborough Town I just remember describing him to my mate as oh you'll love him he just runs around kicking people <laughs> just which is quite a appropriate introduction for him so yeah. I think I was disappointed when he left in the summer but I don't think he was going to get much game time for us was he so yeah, I think he's um, one of the best typically Palace players we've ever had. You know, Palace love a try and someone will always give 110%, run around, smash people, not necessarily overly gifted, but, you know, the way he read the game and so on, he was he was a class above what we'd been used to in previous yeah. years. He sort of sums Palace up in the, not necessarily the most gifted player in the world, but he would. Yeah, yeah. my, um, my favourite Palace player is probably the most plastic thing about me as a Palace fan, and it's Attilio Lombardo. He was there for uh. such a short time. He was such a glory signing, but <laughs> uh, I just can't explain how good he was. Um, but uh, Wilfred Zaha certainly is starting to run in close now. But then, um, but Zaha, the thing about Zaha is that you know he'll be off, like, you know, when he gets a chance. That's the thing about Spironi and Jednak and stuff. They, you know, they were loyal to the club, but... Like I said, it's the most plastic thing about me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. With the killer killer clown, that's difficult to say, Cray uh, um, is now hitting England. If, if you could dress up as a Charlton fan, I mean, sorry, I mean a killer clown, <laughs> which footballer, past or present, would you scare and why? That's going to you first, John. Um, it's such a boring answer, but um, just Payet, just to try and put him off. 
on uh, Saturday, basically. Uh, <laughs> he, do, he does love a goal against us. Yeah. And then um, as a side point, is any, I don't know if this has sort of been said before, but I was thinking like Neil Warnock, he sort of looks like a clown without makeup on. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He, he looks, I kind of feel like with Neil Warnock, he looks like a man who is usually dressed in drag, but is not yeah. currently wearing drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> what about you, Ed? Uh, that's a tough. There's a lot of players I've hated over the years for many reasons. I think Claridge was in there for me for ruining my first experience. Shane Long because he's a cheating little so and so that always seems to dive against us. But um, I think Joey Barton would have to win it just because he's a mm. dick, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Joey Barton. Yes. For me, got like I said, I've got so many, but some really ra- irrational, under the radar ones. Probably boils down to Grant Ledbetter. I just hate Grant Ledbetter. <laughs> he scored a penalty once in front of the homes that run behind the goal and all the way down to block A and B and giving it some. And just ever since then, I've just, just really not liked him. Mm. Right, anyway, look, we should move on and talk a bit more about Palace. Um, obviously, we had the internationals this week and a certain Christian Benteke banged the hat-trick and in doing so broke a World Cup qualifying record. Did um, either of you guys see any of these goals? Saw the first one. Yeah. yeah. It's really quick to watch the highlight well, and that one work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A six, six or seven seconds. What seven. did they record it at? Seven, seven seconds. So becoming the fastest goal ever in World Cup qualifying. Um, the bit I love about it most, though, is that Gibraltar took kickoff. <laughs> yeah. How do, you, how do you concede a goal that early? But, um, what, what's the... Um, why does he? I know there's the. Is it LeBron James or something that he copies LeBron the? James. Why did? James. Sorry, James. Why does he put? Why when he scores does he do the five fingers and then a thumb? That's his uh, brother. It's to do with his brother because ah. he's because he's injured at the moment, so he only does that for his brother. Ah. Mm. Um, yep, and then we had uh, Andros Townsend became the thirteenth Crystal Palace player to represent England. Um, did you did you watch the game, Ed? Uh, I tried to avoid watching England. I caught the last sort of half hour or so because I was pleased to see Townsend getting on. Yeah. I think Scott Dan, had he not been injured, would have been in this squad as well. So pretty gutted for him. Mm, yeah, I mean Cahill and uh, Stones were both dreadful. I thought. Yeah, I thought um, when Townsend came on, he was England always lacked directness for me. Someone who just gets the ball and runs at players and. Um, Townsend came on and did that and immediately looked dangerous and they just resorted to kicking lumps out of him. But um, yeah, I thought it was a promising performance for Townsend. Right, let's get on to the West Ham game because that's what we're here to talk about. You know, 10 minutes in or whatever. <laughs> um, right, Johan. Johan Gavaya. He was obviously left out at Goodison Park. Um, he went off to the with a French squad for internationals, but I don't think he got any playing time. Um, Ed, do you put him... Do you put him back in the team? Uh, does he get in over Ledley, or do you think we stick with what we've um, had for the last few weeks? I have got him in my eleven for Saturday, just because at home against the West Ham side that are struggling, I think we can afford to just go without having Ledley that shores us up a little bit defensively, and we can have Kabai because we we really want to try and get be able to have that Jimmy Matt Kabai punching in the centre working. And they're all playing together because they are our best three centre midfielders. Uh, 
But do you not worry a little bit about complacency? I know they've had a bad, a bad start. You know, obviously they've had um, a couple of weeks of regroup now over the international break. I do, but I think the the pressure is going to be all on them, massively on Bilic. You know, they've won since the twenty first of August. So if we get a decent start, get hold of the ball, put them under a bit of pressure, and get an early goal, then it's going to be really tough for them. I think against the better or the top sides, especially away from home. I would probably drop Kabai and play Ledley because he gives us that little bit more defensively. But I think at home against teams that we're really looking to beat, we want to be able to get the, the three of Jimmy, Matt, Kabai, Punch and all playing together. Fair enough. Um, John, Scott Dan was yeah. in training today and has a chance. Who's he going in for? Does he go in for Delaney or Tompkins? I think Delaney because I think... I think Tom Tompkins looking re- look really really bright. I think when he's been playing, and that's clearly going to be the, the preferred pairing. And I think we need to just sort of get that up and running, really. Um, and I think also, you know, he's playing against his old club, Tompkins days. Um, and uh, yeah, that's always interesting. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about playing against his old club because um, I was in my mind. I'm thinking Delaney's done enough since um, he had to come on up. Dropped. I think he's played really, really well. Um, unlucky not to have the goal against Everton. Um, some really crucial blocks in there. Um, Ed, who are you going for? Would you drop Tompkins or Delaney? I'd drop Damo. I'd play Tompkins. I'm always, when it's the other way around and a player who used to play for us comes back to play against us, I'm always scared they're going to score. So I'm a fancy Tompkins for that. And Delaney's just, he likes giving away the odd silly free kick. And with Payette, I get playing against you. If you give anything away 30 yards away from goal, you're going to be in trouble with Payet. That would be my reason, actually, for not playing Kabai. Because I think Kabai... Kabai just... He gets a yellow card every game. And I just think he's like a... Yeah, a bit of a hothead. Mm. Yeah, if things don't go his way, it's like he throws his toys out of the pram a little bit. Yeah. He just goes around kicking people. Um, yeah, yeah, he did it. Good- he did it exactly at Sunderland, didn't he? Soon as he just missed a chance and then out of the touchline, he just took a wild swing at someone, got himself booked. Yeah. Uh, mm, interesting thoughts. Right, so is this, I touched on it earlier, is this the worst time to play West? In an ideal world, we would have played from the week that we played Everton before the international break. I just really worried that now they've had a couple of weeks. Billish is going to have been and sat everyone down. They're going to look at what the problems is and perhaps come up with a resolution just in time to face us at Sellers, where everybody knows, oh, what's that? You need a win? Come down to Sellers Park, get a win. That's what it seemed <laughs> like in recent years. Mm-hmm. I think of Sunderland coming to Sellers and always winning. So, um, what we have we have you seen enough in West Ham this season to think that they can turn it around, or, or do you think we'll be too much for them, Ed? Uh, I think they've got enough to turn it around, whether they'll I don't think I'd like to think they won't beat us this weekend, but I think it is a dangerous time to play them. Like you say, on the back of such a bad run, it does always seem to be typical that teams come to Palace and they'll end up breaking their run. Like you said, Sunderland did it, Fulham a few years ago. Uh, I think that also when Sunderland came down and beat us on a Monday night, there was some stat about how many years we they hadn't won a Monday night game for, and they come down and beat us and. It just always seems to be the place to go. Whether that's we just think that because we're typically Palace fans and a bit pessimistic, but I think it's a dangerous time to play them. But I would like to think at home we should have a bit too much from on current form. What about you, John? 
yeah, I think I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried. I'm annoyed. I can't make it on Saturday. You, your girlfriend's got my, your fiance has got yes. my ticket. But yeah, I'm, I'm gutted because I've, I think uh, I just, I just think we're really exciting. The last few games have been the Everton game was like I was so impressed with us. Oh well, after the first sort of 25 minutes. But I thought after the first 25 minutes at Everton, we showed defensive resilience. I thought we, yeah. you know, that Everton are a good side. They were always going to come out fast and get into us early, try and get the early goal, get the crowd on, yeah. on our side and so on. But um, no, I thought, I, I thought we were, the Everton performance was a brilliant away performance. But um, yeah. the Palace fan in me just can't help but worry. I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll put back a 2-3-1 losses at home against West Ham. Um, do you remember there was a time when we, we never lost the derby? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was always one <laughs> and, now, and now we can't Yeah. And now we can't seem to win one. But um yeah, I do worry that they're gonna put some time together. Payet's got fitter now, he's got some more minutes under his belt playing for France during the break and mm, I, I don't I don't know. I just I, th- I think it's just a natural Palestine in me worries about that. As we were Talking about earlier when um, Ed was saying he was set up for heartache with the Leicester loss, that's um, I find it hard to shed that still. <laughs> right, all right, we'll finish on Palace there. Look, we, uh, we're going to go and have a short jingle now, and then we will be talking to our West Ham fan after. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Okay, so this is now the part of the show where we talk to our West Ham fan, and this week we are joined by Lewis Parr from Reed West Ham. Hello, mate. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Um, Well, especially considering uh, the start you guys have had to the season. Um, What's been going on over at West Ham? To be honest, I think it's a lot of everything's going wrong at once. You know, injury crisis at the start of the season, which didn't help at all. Uh, defence seems to be falling apart and that combines with the pressure of playing at a new stadium it's kind of all coming at the same time and it's all falling, falling apart mm, your Defensive crisis, I mean um, what are we talking about, a bit of lack of depth or um... I don't think it's a lack of depth because I mean it hasn't just been this season either it was a start, it was towards the end of last season as well. I think we averaged I think, two goals in the season of the game Towards the end of last year, uh, I mean, the whole the whole um, emphasis is on signing a striker this summer. But we could have really done with signing another centre back. Look at Ashley Williams to Everton, you know, a perfect player we could have signed. Instead of being all that focus, all that money on signing a striker, why not go for someone like Jim? And I do rate I, I rate O'Connor really highly. Winston Reid, I don't know what's happening with him, but he played well last game. But just someone else solid to sit at the back would have been ideal. Yeah, someone like James Tompkins? <laughs> no, I was waiting for that one to come up. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, we haven't got to see much of him yet because obviously he picked up a slight knock. But um, what we've seen so far, he looks all right. Although, lacks a bit of strength maybe. He looks kind of a bit weak to me. Is that something that you notices when he played for your lot? Yeah, and to be honest, it's why he fell behind James Collins in the pecking order. Uh, James Collins is a very solid player. And Tompkins is quite slight. I mean, he's a great player. He'll do the job for you. But if you want someone to be solid at the back, now you want Ogbonna, Collins, Reed, and it's why he fell down the second order. In the end of the right back at some point last season. Yeah. Okay, so 
Slavon Bilic, you know, has gone from being the next best thing since sliced bread to, um, you know, getting a, getting up there in a the sack race. Now, you've talked about, you know, kind of the perfect storm of events bringing together the poor form. But do you think Bilic can get you out of it? I do. I do have faith in him. He's a great manager. He proved that last season. Some great tactical decisions. I mean, the only real bad decision he's made so far is saying Antonio at right back. Mm. And he's, he's he's a stubborn man. He's stuck with it for a very long time. But you saw the issue. He held his hands up, knew he was wrong. And now Antonio's back, back up back um, at the top of the pitch and he's scoring goals. I do have faith in him. But I know that we're in a position where we can't hold out faith for too long. If, if, if things carry on going downhill, he's going to have to go. And I know we've been linked with Mancini. So it's not as if we're going to be replacing him with a poor manager. We're going to replace him, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. If he does go, I don't want him to go. If he does go, there are other top-class managers out there. I think, unfortunately for him, it's at a stage where he can't afford to be given time. You know, it's either perform or you're gone. So he's almost a victim of his own success of last season. Uh, yeah, bar a exactly. Bit too high yeah. Himself. And, and that, that combined with the stadium issue, yeah. OK, well, let, let's, get, let's move on to the stadium. Um, have you experienced any of the um, stuff that we've all been seeing over social media when you, uh, you visit there this season? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much of the fighting myself. I've only seen that on social media. And with regards to, to the atmosphere, you know, it, to be honest, I did expect it. I, I was I was in favour of the move, and I know a lot of people have changed their minds now, but I, I am still with that. I think in the long term, the move is the right thing. I think a lot of our fan base, unfortunately, are very short-sighted, and they don't look at the long-term future. Moving to a new stadium is going to be full of trouble, full of issues, and we're just experiencing them. I did expect them. You know, we had such a good home record last season. We can't expect that again. That's another problem for success last season. You know, the bar, the bar was set too high. Um, but long long term, it's definitely for the, it's definitely going to be beneficial money, especially. But I know it, there are issues at the moment. It's hard to look into the future. But you just got to stick with it, to be honest. And the fans have got to try and get behind the team, get behind the stadium. We can't go back to Upton Park now. Mm-hmm. Just kind of got to deal with it. Okay, so is relegation a possibility? Do you think um, it's just an early season blip? I mean, a lot of times you hear people say we're too good to go down, but is it going to be a battle this season, or you reckon it's just just an early sort of season blip? Yeah, I mean, the whole phrase "too good to go down" I think that was the case of us in '03. You know, look at our team then, and we still went down, but. I am optimistic, and to be honest, I see there's no there's no chance that we can go down. We, we, I know we've lost some poor teams this season, Watford, West Brom, but in the long term, you know, you look at our squad compared to theirs, and there's no way we should be finishing below those teams. And I do I do think it is just a blip, and by by Christmas, you know, hopefully we're pushing towards mid table, and okay. we'll stay around the area. Right then, well you're coming off of the back of two, three, one wins at Sellers Park in the last couple of seasons. Uh, what, what do you fancy this weekend? Um, form you're in at the moment, form we're in, I don't fancy us at Selhurst Park to be honest. I know we, you said we do have a good record there. I don't think you'd blow us away, but I think it will either be 2-1 to you or we might scrape a one or draw. But I'm not too confident, I just don't think we'll be blown away, which I think a lot of our fans might expect. Okay, I'm a little bit worried um, <laughs> you've had the two oh, really? weeks, you know, to get your act. And there- 
there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com together and uh, oh no we're in yeah, cool. film there's nothing about that but um you know just crystal palace sellers park's always been that sort of place oh you're struggling for a win come down guys yeah, we'll, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what it feels like sometimes you know we, we hopefully um away. hopefully Creswell will be back in the starting 11 as well and that would definitely help the situation yeah you don't want a part-time fullback going up against saha and townsend um yeah, exactly. Town's in a business for you guys. Yeah. Um, so, the last thing we'll touch on is you said there in um, you were too good to go down but went down in 2003. Did you, did you go straight back up the following season? No, we didn't. I think we sent one season down and then went back up the season after. Yeah, we know that because we um, beat you in the playoff final. Were we? Of course you did, yeah. <laughs> which, which we will be talking about at the end of this podcast in our classic match section. But um, look, anyway, oh, good thank choice. you very much yeah. for joining us, Lewis. You're not Lewis Parr, you're not related to Johnny Parr, are you? No, I'm not, no. <laughs> you're not blonde and Norwegian, yeah. then? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, as I said, mate, great, great, great chat. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, no worries at all. Cheers, guys. Uh, we'll be in contact towards the end of the season for the return leg, mate. Yeah, hopefully we'll be in better form then. <laughs> OK, mate, take care. Right, cheers, bye-bye. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram. At Homestale Radio. Right, it's predictions time. Um, let's, we've had a couple of listener predictions in first. We've got um, at Stephen Rodin1 on Twitter. has gone for 1-0 Palace with Christian Benteke to score a late-headed goal, naturally. Um, <laughs> Rob's Flappy Cuticle on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> has merely predicted that we will show them what, pro- what a proper footy atmosphere is. Obviously, referencing all of the troubles in the uh, London Stadium, as they now call the Olympic Stadium. Oh, look, here's Nick Philpot um, gloating. Uh, he made his Homestyle Radio debut on the preview pod last up, and he became the first panellist to correctly predict a score, predicting 1 1. And not only that, he actually guessed the, store, the scorers correctly as well. No one likes a smart ass Nick, but um, he has gone for 2-1, I believe, to Palace. I say I believe because uh, I wrote about him gloating, but then I didn't actually write down what he wrote as a score. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing. Lucy White, uh, she's not on this week, but she's back with another attempt, even though she constantly gets it wrong like me. She's gone for 3-1 Palace with Joel Ward, Christian Benteke and Jason Punchin to score. Right, before I go to you guys for your predictions, I'm going to hit you with some stats. Ooh. 
This will be the 32nd league meeting between the two clubs. We've won seven, lost 13, and the other 11 have obviously been draws. The biggest Palace win was the 3-1 at Upton Park in the 14-15 season when Jason Punchin became the first Premier League player in a Palace shirt to record a hat-trick of assists in one game. The Hammers' biggest victory came back in 1923, and that was 5-1. Last season, as we mentioned, we lost 3-1 at Sellhurst and drew 2-2 at Upton Park. But Mark Klassenberg refereed both those games, so... We, we were doomed anyway. We were doomed. We did well to come out of a point. <laughs> um, we've lost just two of the last ten against West Ham, um, and we've only failed to score on one occasion. That was a nil-nil draw in the bowling, which was... And 12, I believe. Um, random stat, we've never met each other in the League Cup and only three times in the FA Cup. In 1914, West Ham won 2-0 and in 84, we were lost a replay 2-0 after 1-1 draw at Sellers Park. Um, the referee will be Martin Atkinson. Our win percentage when he's in charge of Premier League matches for us is 16%. Under 17%. Yeah, we've won once. No, re no referee has refereed more than five Palace matches since we've returned, returned to the Premier League and has seen us score fewer goals. So when he refs us, we've only scored three goals. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> However, the only time we have won a Premier League match that Atkinson's refereed, it was against... West Ham. It was. The 1-0 winner at Upson Park in 2014. And that was securing our fifth straight win with the melee. He had that penalty, so he gave us a pen. So there's some good things to shout about. If I remember rightly, he's ref 10 matches for us, Mike and Atkinson. There's been nine penalties in those matches. So get your money on a penalty on the weekend. Right, predictions. So Nick Philpott set the bar high last or two weeks ago, just before the international break. You're both new. You're both fresh records of no guesses. <laughs> <laughs> so no incorrect guesses. I think now I'm I'm about to give you my seventh incorrect guess. So um, go on, Ed. What, what what do you reckon it's going to be? I'm going to say two one Palace with yeah. uh, Townsend and Benteke scoring. Okay. You want a West Ham scorer in there, or you don't care? Oh, I don't care. Probably Zaza because I know we've been linked with him in the past, so we typically will score against us. Yes, John. What about you, mate? Can I say the same score? You can. Yeah. Right, I'm going to say scorers. 2-1 Palace, Tomkins, Benteke, and then Payet for them. Okay. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go for 3-1 West Ham. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just really, really think that they're going to have got their act together. Um, I think when we expect to win, we normally mess about and don't win. So, yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 West Ham. They're going to score late again, like they did last year. Uh, hitting us in the break whilst we're trying to get an equaliser. I'll go Ben Teke for us and Paye 2 for them and Winston Reid from a corner because we can't defend corners. So um, I think that might be the first loss I've predicted. So I might be in with a shout. Right, next up, we're going to be talking about the classic match that you guys voted for. With somewhere around 70% of the vote, it was always going to be a one-horse race. We're going to talk about the playoff final in 2004 in Cardiff when Neil Shipperley took us to the Premier League. It's Andrew Johnson, more than capable of scoring, and he very nearly did, and Neil Shipperley has! And Crystal Palace score first! 
the space of just five months, Ian Dowie has taken them from relegation possibles to promotion cert. Right, so it's the 29th of May 2004, and half of South London and half of East London are all heading up the motorway to Cardiff for the playoff final. Um, Palace had beat uh, Sunderland, as we've already talked about in the match section of this show a couple of weeks ago, and West Ham had beaten Ipswich to make their way to the final. Um, Palace lined up with Loney superstar goalkeeper Nico Vasson, probably on their list of top loan signings of all time there for the club. Um, we had Danny Butterfield, uh, Danny Granville, Tony Popovich, Mikhail Lizardwood, Sean Derry, who was in for the suspended Julian Gray, who got sent off in the second leg at Sunderland. Uh, Wayne Rowley, Jackie Rialati, Andy Johnson, Neil Shipley and Michael Hughes. West Ham had Bywater Repka, former Palace player and academy graduate Hayden Mullins, Steve Lomas, Melville Daly, Harewood, Michael Carrick, Connolly, Bobby Zamora, and Matthew Etherington. So quite a few interesting subplots were going on. Obviously, Alan Pardew was managing West Ham as a former Palace player. Ian Dowie was managing Palace as a former West Ham and Palace player. And of course, on the West Ham bench was Brian Dean, whose last-minute equaliser on the last day of the season against Wigan meant that Palace actually got into the playoffs because... If he hadn't scored, it would have been Wigan into the playoffs at our expense. Palace started the game pretty brightly. Um, Danny Butterfield, just just a free kick was laid off to him. He sliced across it, just missed the post. AJ snicked one off Neil Shipley's head in front of him when if he would have left it alone, Palace would have probably taken the lead a lot earlier than we did. Sean Derry free kick, just deflected over and... Um, Granville had an absolute air shot at the following corner. But then there was a really big chance for West Ham, the first big chance of the game. Um, Ed, remember it? It was Michael Carrick floated the ball over the top. It had, had sort of had backspin on it. And, um, and Zamora, was it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Zamora got through and Vassa uh, made a decent save. It was a good, decent West Ham side. No. It was. When I was reading back through the names, you look, you look right. like, you know, with the likes of Michael Carrick, um, Zamora, obviously, is a good player. Thomas Repka was a good player. Hayden Mullins is a good player. And Harewood as well. was scoring loads of goals that season. Harewood as well, scoring lots of goals from, yeah. Etherington it's, was out on a wing. Oh, it was what, even what, sweeter. What did you think on the day? Did you did you think we, we were going to do it? Were you confident or...? Uh, no, because I'm a Palace fan and that makes me <laughs> naturally pessimistic. It was because it was the fairy tale, wasn't it? Because we went on that. Dowie just took us up that season from down in the relegation zone at Christmas time and stuff. It was almost seemed too good to be true that if we could do it, the sort of run that we went on, snuck in the playoffs on the final day of the season, mm. it almost felt like it could be too good to be true. And West Ham, like I say, they were a decent side. I think they'd been up there, there or thereabouts most of the season. I think they yeah. felt like they had a sort of given right to win that final, yeah. but I think we did deserve they, they it on the did. day. Yeah, they talked to um, a lot of people said that West Ham were very confident, overconfident somewhat. But um, we spoke to Aki Rialati on Homestyle Radio uh, a few months back and he said, he said that he'd written his piece for the newspaper already like as if Palace had won because he just knew we were going to win so um, it wasn't just West Ham we were <laughs> overconfident as well um, John yeah 
this was obviously way before your time as a Palace fan, being yeah. six, some six years before. Yeah. What were you doing that weekend? I don't know. <laughs> I <can't. laughs> oh, right. Out, I'm hanging you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm embarrassed to say I actually went to the Brighton uh, playoff final against, was it Bristol City? And why, why was that? Uh, because I went to school with Adam Virgo and so we went as like uh, we got tickets from him um, so yeah I'm really Thanks. sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> literally the worst Palace fan ever no, yeah. we, we, we forgive you no, I, I, there's definitely I love I was scoping out the enemy that's what I was doing yeah. I love it I, love, I genuinely love your story mate about how you become a Palace fan because it's it kind of it's the same as me. Just that time, the first time you walk in Sellers Park, and like within twenty minutes, you just you just know like this is this is it for me. A friend, um, of, a friend of mine uh, says that I'm like those kind of ginger, those white ginger Muslim extremists. The, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so kind of yeah, what I look like. They really go, they really go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I kind of look like, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So then, I, I mean, I started to get a bit worried with that Zamora chance. I thought, here we go. They're going to come back into it now. Um, but then AJ had a really good chance, but just hit it uncharacteristically straight at the keeper. Um, Christian Daly for them put a really good chance wide from a corner. And um, Matthew Everton started to get on the ball and cause us some problems. But then, um, God, we had a really big chance. So. Michael Hughes bangs a shot in from about 25 yards, takes a huge deflection and just falls straight back into his path. When he lifted it over his head, over the keeper, and Thomas Repka was running back, did you think Repka was going to win the race or did you think that Hughes' shot was going to creep? Uh, you think it's going to creep in, didn't you? Um, I thought he was going to get there, but he just yeah, claw hooks it away. Mm. Big chance. Yeah, and, and that's you, a, you start against thinking, his former club. Yeah, and then you start thinking, is it going to be our day sort of thing? Yeah, it certainly did feel like that, especially like watching it back um, in the research for this, you know, like, as I said, AJ taking the ball off Shipley's head, uh, Johnson hitting the ball straight at the goalkeeper, they were just they, all really, really good chances. We started yeah. so brightly, and usually that sort of thing can come back and bite you. Um, then we moved into the second half, uh, Neil Shipley snapped volley straight down the goalkeeper's throat right from kickoff, pretty much. Um and then Steve Lomas hit a dipping volley from about 25 yards out. And I was like, there we go. Top bins. It's 1-0 West Ham. But Nico Vassan was at it again, weren't he, Ed? Yeah, it was a little, I think it was a little bit of a save for the cameras. I don't know if it... It was Hollywood. Yeah, I don't know if it was as, uh, as strenuous for him as he made it look. But still had to be saved. Otherwise, that was, that was certainly dipping in. Yeah, it's funny when you're in them big stadiums and you've got weird angles and so on. It was like it's hard to tell if it's more in the corner it looks. Yeah. But I remember at the time thinking it was an incredible save, and yeah. then you see it back and you're like, yeah, you you, you should be saving that really. <laughs> um, Made it look good. Obviously, very key because pretty much just a couple of minutes later, um, Johnson steals the ball off of uh, I think it was Hayden Mullins, uh, sort of halfway in the West Ham half, plays the ball back. Um, so Danny Butterfield, who feeds in uh, Real Arty, and Real Arty, again, he, <laughs> he couldn't help but mention this when we interviewed him a couple of months back. Uh, he was like, no one talks about my pass, my lovely little pass in between the lines. <laughs> and it was a lovely little pass that found Johnson, and then Johnson was off on his bike. Um, kind of, West Ham defended it well, and they sort of run him down into a, a dead end, really. But, you know, 
Johnson was always good at finding the target. Do you blame the goalie, Ed? What do you reckon? Do you reckon he should be holding that, or did it bobble in front of him? He bit unlucky. I think it. It's hard for him. I mean, like you say, West Ham defended it well. They showed him on his left foot, we're trying to show him away from goal, and he's just hit one, and it has gone through. I think it went sort of either between two defenders or in between one of their legs. Mm. But I still think he should be holding it. He sort of gets it with the other hand and almost knocks it out of his hand with the other one as he goes down yeah. to his left. And mm. then it just drops at Shipley's feet and he nearly fell over it trying to get it in the net, <laughs> I think. Yeah, John, um, Shipley knocking it in off one foot and then onto his shin <laughs> into the goal there. That's how I imagine you play football, mate. Is, is that... Uh, well, I'm, I'm definitely worse than that, even that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've all got to get down and play for your five-a-side team, mate, and visit, um, see you in action. <laughs> right, unsurprisingly, though, um, this, this woke West Ham up. Um, does that sound like an Alan Pardew side, going a goal behind and then finally waking up? <laughs> um, Connolly, Connolly puts the ball almost immediately in the back of the net, and we're all like, oh, God. And again, but big big stadium syndrome. The linesman flags up and you don't see it. So all the West Ham fans are cheering away, but ruled out for offside. And then <laughs> a few minutes later, again, Bobby Zamora gets through, lifts the, lifts the ball over Vass and scores. But again, offside. Both of them were offside. Yeah, they're both correct. Yeah, they Good were yard off. Mm, but what you, at this point, I'm just like, this is going to be the longest 20 minutes I've ever experienced in my life. Um but then, uh, then Brian Dean came on <laughs> and uh, got a bigger cheer. Was it a bigger cheer, Ed, from the Palace fans than the uh, West Ham fans, I think? Yeah, for his uh, final day heroics for us. But yeah, I think there's, only, there's only one Brian Dean, everyone was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they went a bit, they started going long after they brought him on, didn't they, for the last yeah. sort of 15, 10, 15 minutes. I think that was a big mistake that they made because um, it's kind of like uh, similar to when we went a go up against Brighton in the playoff semi-final second leg. They just they didn't do anything. No, you just really think that like oh, we're going to be under the cosh here, and they brought Brian Dean on. Just started. We brought on Darren Powell to sort of compensate against it, and we just they just didn't really create anything. Where as soon as uh, we'd scored the goal, they created a couple of chances and were unlucky with a couple of offsides not to back level but um, four minutes of stoppage time went up um, and Wayne Routledge I don't know whether it was he was acting beyond these years in age um, and deliberately trying to slow the slow play down and get top he absolutely lost his rag massively <laughs> with a West Ham player and it all kicked off everyone's piling in Neil Shipley walks over just clears house frying everyone everywhere and, um, but it really did just you know took this thing completely out of the game and then um it leaves it down to probably the worst thing I've ever seen when your side's 1-0 down in a playoff final. It's the last, last minute of um, stoppage time and Stephen Bywater's got a free kick and he kicks it straight into touch for a throw-in. I would have I been absolutely the, furious. I think he thought he was playing rugby. He's trying to get a, a line-out. Trying to get a line-out deep in Palace territory. Yeah, well, um, but obviously, you know, the ball came back in play and that was it, the full-time whistle. And we were, we were going back to the Premier League, much to the delight of Simon Jordan um, in the crowd and Bob Dowie running on really awkwardly from the bench. And um... Now, Ed, where does this... So you, you were at the 96 playoff final, and so yeah. obviously you'd have been at the 97 one as well, um, and the uh, 
2012, 13. Um, where does this one rate for you out of four? Well, obviously, it's above the Leicester ones. Let's count. Let's discount that one. Of the three wins, where would this one rate? Uh, probably third. Uh, it was probably third. I think the best one for me is my after the year after Leicester, going back still as quite a young boy and going up with Hopkins. Yeah, it's, it's weird that because a lot of a lot of West Ham, uh, sorry, Palace fans really, really, really talk about this being like their favourite one. Like this is that is my playoff final. But again, for me, it's David Hopkins. I don't know whether it's an age thing. Maybe we're just on the cusp of just being a little bit, you know, uh, we were still like wet behind the ears, you know, for the, Hop- the yeah. Hopkins one. It was we were still young and it meant absolutely everything. But. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, mate. It comes third for me. I've, I know a lot of people listening will be like, oh, blasphemy, how can you talk about it like that? But, um, yeah, you know, I don't really feel like I have much of a rivalry with West Ham or anything. But, you know, like Sheffield, we think Sheffield United of the mid to late 90s and then so on. They were, they were just, they were easy to dislike and so on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I had a couple of people tweet me in with some memories about the game. Um yeah, the, <laughs> this guy's name is genuinely at Mr. Hot Butt UK. So, <laughs> why, are you, so, why are you following people like that, Terry? No, uh, this is just someone who's tweeted. tweeted oh, right, yeah. went, went there in a van. Returned it, on the return journey home, it felt like a limo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to get over that username. Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, so I've got uh, Nick. I like that they was two West Ham fans who seemed to get lost and ended up with all the Palace fans walking back to the station. And there was lots of, you can stick your bubbles, you know where, being sung to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it was it was a great day. Player finals always are. The sun was out shining. There's red and blue everywhere. And it was, it, it was, a, it was a brilliant day. And the, the journey back to London was just great and just partying the whole night through so absolutely brilliant um look out for twitter uh look look out on twitter uh go up around tuesday i think next week for the classic match for liverpool so um that's some good ones to pick from there and what you guys vote for we will talk about on the preview podcast next week Homesdale Radio, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football Right now, we'll have a little nod towards our sponsors, who are, of course, FanDuel. If you haven't listened to like all of our jingles, <laughs> we're very appreciative for what they do for us. Um, Ed, you, you've got a team this week. Do you want to talk us through who you've gone for? I have got a team. I have got uh, Gomez from Watford in goal, because mm. uh, they've got Middlesbrough. Then I've got uh, Vertonghen from Spurs, because they're away to West Brom, who are Pretty awful. Don't score many. Uh, Prodel from Watford. Uh, again, playing Middlesbrough. Charlie Daniels, because Bournemouth have got Hull. Uh, midfield, I've got Payet. <laughs> why, 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 why is that now, Ed? Why have you got Payet? Because well, it's a win-win. Because uh, if he does score or get an assist, I'll get some points in this. And if he doesn't, happy days, because he's had not, not had a good game against Palace. So it's sort of... Uh, yeah, playing it both my, ways. My friend does that with gambling. He's a Bristol Rovers fan, and every match he bets against Bristol Rovers <laughs> to lose, and then he's happy either way. I've I've done that. I did it at Norwich last end of last year when we really really needed to beat Norwich. Yeah, 
Uh, I'll bet on Norwich to win. I've happily lost money. Very good. Um, the rest of my midfield is Ozil, uh, Stanislas from Bournemouth, uh, Son from Spurs, and then Sanchez, Defoe, and Dini up top. Defoe? Who has Sunderland got? Uh, Sunderland have got Stoke. Oh, that's, so, that's a big game that is down that end of the table. Yeah. Right, yeah, so FanDuel is based on real optostats that come out of the game and um, you get points of various bits. Uh, so head across to FanDuel.co.uk. The beauty of it is you're not tied into your team for the entire season. You can pick a new team every week because I already know that my proper fantasy team is gone down the pan. John, I think even you're doing better than me this season. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. You can, hear, you can hear by the shock in his voice <laughs> how bad my team is doing compared to usually. So, yep, so you're not tied in for the whole season. and um, Obviously, you can play for free, but there is also a real money side. Um, so be aware of the pitfalls of gambling. Go across to gamblerware.co.uk to find out those little gambling traps that you can fall into. Right, that's, um, that's it. That's your lot for this week. Um, to thank firstly John Petrie for joining us John I really appreciate you coming on mate and good luck with the rest of are we going for a new series of people just do nothing yeah there's a fourth series Uh, uh, won't be ready till like July next year but we're writing it at the moment oh fantastic congratulations on that because you really deserve it and Mr. Kellaway thank you Um, you you will be doing part two of your trial on the um, Holmesdale Radio Review Show on Sunday, which is obviously talking about the result against West Ham. You looking forward yep. to that? Yes, hopefully we're talking about a Palace win and how your prediction was wrong again. But Yes, well, <laughs> give, ha- give Hambo a hard time for me. I will. <laughs> and, um, yep, so, guys, we will be back next, either Thursday or Friday morning. We haven't decided yet. <laughs> In, uh, and we'll be discussing, it is Liverpool, isn't it? I'm not going nuts. It is Liverpool. Uh, it's Leicester, isn't it? The 22nd? Oh, it's Leicester. I mentioned, I mentioned Leicester Liverpool away. Earlier. See, I'm not very professional. Don't give Hambo a hard time because he's way more professional than me. <laughs> so we'll be back talking about Leicester. So I'm hmm, wondering if we've got any classic matches with them. Right, so until next week, guys. See you later. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh.
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.